0: Oh, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Of course, I prefer to think of it Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John is my brother, and I want to know how he's doing. I'm doing well.
1: Uh, everything here in Indianapolis is great. I'm, I'm working a lot on writing. Uh, I've been writing very intensively uh, for the last little while. I mean, really for the last 15 months or so, but especially for the last little while. And uh, to be honest, I'm not thinking about much else. So it's very difficult for me to answer the question, how am I doing without talking about my new book, which my publisher has very specifically asked me not to do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, I just celebrated my 10th anniversary of being married to my wife. We went out of town. We went uh, to to the lake, and uh, we were up there, and we went to a very fancy restaurant. and And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife is is uh, quite pregnant at this point. And um, we walked into this fancy restaurant, and this cute old couple who looked like they've they've had a happy marriage for the last sixty years uh, looked sort of, sort of beamed at us as we entered the restaurant. Obviously, they've raised their own children, and 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 I think they maybe saw a little bit of us in them. And uh, and they said they said table for three then and uh as we walked past them and I had no idea what he was talking about I was so confused that I I was like did you want me to join you because I will you seem very nice and then uh and then I just and then we all laughed and walked on and then Catherine was like he was talking about the baby (laughs) and I was like oh boy yes he sure was that was a good joke that I didn't get at all
1: And that's my story well fortunately uh I know that that couple are longtime fans of the
0: pod so now they know that you eventually (laughs) got their joke (laughs) <laughs> I assume, I assume, one can only assume that they are longtime fans of the pod, as, of course, are almost all humans. John, do you have a short poem for us?
1: I do. Uh, it, it's, it's a short poem that will lead to an extremely long correction. Uh, we made a few mistakes <laughs> in our most recent episode, Hank. You uh, argued uh-huh. that Lego have no calories uh, recently, which is incorrect. Uh, Everything yeah, yeah, yeah. has calories because, uh, you know, calories are a measure of how much uh, heat is produced by the energy inside of something.
0: Well, I would say that not everything has calories. There's two different ideas here. There's the calories, like, cal- like I, I was saying calories in terms of, like, energy that we could extract from something, and then there's calories that could be extracted through oxidation. But there are things that can't be oxidized. They are, they like you know, like full on ash, you can't burn it. Uh, So there are things that have no calories. Legos aren't, if you're talking about the scientific definition of calories, one of those things. All right, so the
1: other uh, correction we got a number of times was that uh, in a recent episode, you said that uh, canned pumpkin does not contain pumpkin. Many people wrote in to say that yes. they have cans of pumpkin that list just the one ingredient, which is pumpkin, which sounds like you made a mistake. But in fact, if
0: anyone made a mistake, it's the USDA. Oh, the USDA. Uh, why Why are they so in charge of our food? Well, I, I mean, I so... I looked at Snopes. There's an article on Snopes about this. And uh, indeed, most uh, canned pumpkin contains a kind of pumpkin. But the question is, what is pumpkin? Uh, But mostly canned pumpkin has a a Dickinson pumpkin in it, which are are not the kind of pumpkins that you would buy and carve into a jack-o'-lantern, but they are pumpkins, uh, things that we would call pumpkins. But also a lot of times canned pumpkin has squash in it. But the United States Department of Agriculture declares that squash is also pumpkin. And so you can say 100% pumpkin and you can have the the word pumpkin be the ingredient, but it could still be squash.
1: I know this is the kind of detail-oriented analysis that people (laughs) come to the pod to find out about. Everybody's like, man, I didn't know the definition of pumpkin included squash until... I listened to that episode of Dear Hank and John. The last thing, Hank.
0: (laughs) Do do you want to hear the United States Department of Agriculture's definition of pumpkin? More than I want almost anything in the whole world. The canned product prepared from clean, sound, properly matured, golden-fleshed firm-shelled, sweet varieties of either pumpkins and squashes by washing, stemming, cutting, steaming, and reducing to a pulp. So
1: now you know what is a pumpkin, according to the United States Department of Agriculture. Hank, that brings me at last, at long last, to uh, the short poem of the day, which goes like this. God, save our gracious queen. Long live our noble queen. God, save the queen. Send her victorious, happy, happy, and glorious long to reign over us god save the queen yes hank i said that the queen of england queen elizabeth ii was the queen of england in our last video and every single resident of the british isles wrote in to say that that is incorrect here uh, is an example email from aiden as a british su- as a British citizen and loyal subject of Her Majesty, I fear I must submit a correction regarding the title of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. While she's often referred to as the Queen of England, she is actually the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, as well as Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and several other countries. There has not been a Queen or King of England since 1707 when the Acts of Union formally joined the Kingdom of England and the Kingdom of Scotland into one United Kingdom. Well, that's all fine and good, Aiden, until Brexit ends the united kingdom and then she'll be the queen of england again and i will have been right
0: (laughs) okay well i think uh well i'm I'm glad i'm glad that we are being held to the standard of insufferable pedantry that we hold others to john yeah i think we have to
1: i think we might have to stop reading (laughs) corrections on this podcast just so the just so it doesn't become dear hank and pedantry
0: Oh, God. Let's do some questions <laughs> before we spend the entire podcast on corrections. Yeah.
1: Okay. That sounds good. Our first question today uh, comes from Katie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've heard a lot of people say that if you listen to something while you sleep, you'll remember it better. I'm learning Japanese, and there's a lot of stuff I need to memorize. Will listening to Japanese lessons while I sleep help me at all? How would this even work? Sushi and koalas. Katie." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't think that works, but I didn't do any research on it. John, you highlighted this question yourself, so I figured maybe you had an answer. Uh, yeah. It works. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh,
1: research published in the journal Cerebral Cortex by the Swish, Nash, Swish.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, the, cons- <laughs> the, the wonderful country of Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, research published in the Journal Cerebral Cortex by the Swiss National Science Foundation claims that listening to newly learned foreign vocabulary while sleeping can help solidify the memory of the words. So, mm. improbably, this might help a little bit. It's not going to help a ton, but it might help a little bit.
0: Oh, well, good. I... Uh, what else can I learn while I sleep, John? Is there Are there other things that I could be doing while sleeping? Because I spend a lot of time doing it. I enjoy it very much, and I would like to feel productive while I'm doing it.
1: Well, I want to emphasize that it doesn't help that much, uh, but it does help a little bit. Uh, I don't think there's anything else that you can do while sleeping other than sleep. But having said that, I'm sure someone's going to write in with a correction. <laughs>
0: Could I, do you think I could like uh, get, figure out how to eat while I'm sleeping? Because those are like the two main things that I sort of have to do. Also, if I could poo and pee while sleeping, because those are like like if I could get rid of all the like major bodily functions during the sleep period, I feel like that would be a lot more efficient. I'll tell you who's able to uh, poo
1: and pee while sleeping: babies. <laughs> That's interesting. You're about to find out quite a lot about pooing and peeing while sleeping.
0: Do you think that they w- wake up and and like and like lay down lay down the duke uh and then just go back to sleep? No.
1: Now they just sleep. I 100% <laughs> know for a fact that they do not need to wake up to poop because I cannot tell you how many times while I was holding my infant children uh they with their eyes beatifically closed uh breathing <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the jackhammer, by the way, but that jackhammer has been going on inside of what feels like inside of my office room for the last 1,700 years. <laughs> uh, so if you can hear the jackhammer, I apologize, but I promise you it is far, far worse inside my brain. Uh, but, but yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been looking down at my uh, beatifically smi- uh, smiling and sleeping child uh, at the exact moment
0: that they just ripped a huge poop. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that that debate has been settled then. All right, John, we got another question. This one is also from Katie. We assume a different Katie who asks Uh, Dear Hank and John, if Mars once had large bodies of water flowing on it and now doesn't, what happened to them? Does this mean that Earth could dry up too? Will Earth be referred to as a cold, dead rock in the sky by a future John-like inhabitant of Pluto? Also, if Earth formed by lots of rock coming together, how did water even come to be here in the first place? Why don't we see water floating around in space? Why aren't there water meteors? Please help. These questions are consuming my mind. Do you know what a water meteor is, John?
1: Uh, it's a meteor, right? They, they have lots of ice on them, don't they?
0: Well, for, for mostly, we would call uh, if it was like a, an all water meteor. That's just a comet. Oh, right. Um. It depends on where they on where they come from, but comets are are basically if you get hit by a, a a meteorite that is made of ice, that was probably a comet. There are also meteorites that have a bunch of water in them. There are lots of places on in our solar system that are made of water. There are moons of Jupiter and Saturn that are made almost entirely, if not entirely, of water. And uh, yeah, it's it's there's water all over the place in the solar system, but it is in the form of ice, and uh, that's because it's. It's too cold other places for for the water to be liquid, which is why uh, it is possible that there is liquid water in places in the solar system. But they would not be on the surface of the planets uh, because the thing that we have that keeps Earth warm uh, is our atmosphere. And it keeps it. What a wonderful temperature so that uh, liquid water can happen and, and so can life. So, but to the question, will Earth someday be a cold,
1: dead rock, and will a future me be like Earth is just a stupid cold, dead rock, it doesn't
0: matter? Uh, No. Earth will, for a while, be a hot, dead rock, though. Mm. I can't wait for that one. Uh, Yeah, that's a long time uh, from now, but I don't think that we'll ever be a cold, dead rock. We're too close to the sun, uh, but the, the sun will get hotter and expand, and for a while before, we are consumed by the sun as it expands, into a red giant um we will be a hot dead uh waterless rock
1: but that probably won't be super relevant to humans on account of how we will no longer uh be alive
0: ah uh, yeah yeah uh, we, we will we will either have uh, have completely ceased to exist or we will have found some way to have found another place to be because uh, we'll be like, boy, this place's not great anymore. Let's move along.
1: I wish there was a way to make a bet on which of those outcomes is going to <laughs> oh, happen wow. because I'm pretty sure that I would win that one.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, it would have to be real long odds for me to go that humans are going to survive past the point of, of of the sun becoming a red giant.
1: What do you think the over under is, Hank, on uh, when the human experiment will end?
0: <laughs> well that is that is one that uh that by definition we won't be able to 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 uh, see the actual outcome of.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not saying that you could put a bet on it in Vegas. I'm asking you to like estimate <laughs> your uh, point mm. over under of how long humans will be a thing.
0: I don't know. You know, John, that, that question gives me a lot of anxiety. I was, I am surprised to discover that I am feeling a feeling inside of me that must be similar to what you feel all the time.
1: Yeah, that is because I'm constantly thinking about that question. Uh, I, <laughs> here's my estimate. I think a good over under is about. 1200 years Mm. i think if we last longer than 1200 years we might last a very very long time but i think we've got a very good chance of not lasting 1200 years
0: i think that there will almost definitely be humans in 1200 years there might be substantially fewer of them
1: yeah i don't know man i hope that you're right but uh i do think that neither of us will be around to uh settle it
0: yes I, i i agree that i will not be alive in 1200 years Uh, Because... ...of the inevitable uh, decline of my body uh, in, into death. Do you have another question for us? I do, and it's about
1: death. Uh, <laughs> Lily writes in to say, Dear John and Hank, it seems this comedy podcast about death has been lacking in the death department lately. Lily, have you not been listening <laughs> to the current episode? Anyway, I live in a pretty big city, and even though I don't check the obituaries every day, I imagine that multiple people die each day. Is there a statistical ratio where one out of blank people die every day, and could we apply that to a hypothetical town? Like, say Deathville has had one person die every day would deathville have population blank what is this blank number how many people would live in deathville
0: uh well i did some pre-research on this question john because i i wasn't going to trust my ability to do math during the podcast so i so i'm assuming that deathville is in the u.s where the de- the mortality rate is 821.5 deaths per 100,000 people per year um and now, obviously, that's influenced by demographics. Like, if you have an older town in like South Florida, then that is going to be more than eight hundred twenty-one point five deaths per year. But I'm going to assume that it is like the same generic demographics, just a perfect amalgam average town in America that is exactly like the rest of America. So, uh, so if you live in a, uh, so if you've got eight hundred twenty-one point five deaths per year for every 100,000 people. If you live in a town of 100,000 people, multiple people will die every day. Statistically, now, you will have good days where no one will die, Mm -hmm. and you will have bad days where like 20 people will die. But on average, over the year, uh, you know, there will be more than one person dying per day. Now, you do a little bit of math on these numbers and you discover that the, uh, the population of Deathville, where odds are exactly one person dies every day all year round, uh, and that population is 44,430 people. Wow. Wow. You know, John, I have a friend who works uh, at the cemetery in town. And uh, and he's like, yeah, you. It's it's a it's a weird thing. Like we're like we'll have weeks where like it's just nothing, nothing happens, and then suddenly it's like, okay, we got 18 bodies that we got to get in the ground.
1: Yeah, no, like imagine in the Middle Ages when uh, plagues would come through town. Then it was very bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, but this is just random statistical jumping around uh, in in town. Though there are uh, some days when people are less likely to die. Uh, over the course of a year, which is very interesting. People are less likely to die.
1: Yeah, do you know the deadliest month? Uh, Is it January? It is January, by a long shot, actually. And not just because it has 31 days. Even if January had 30 days, it would be the deadliest month.
0: Wow. Wow. I, I heard a story about why January is the deadliest month. Do do you have a theory as well?
1: Well there are a lot of theories. One of them is that uh the flu is big in winter. Mm-hmm. Uh another one is that people like to live uh through Christmas.
0: The other one that I have heard is that there is a uh there are tax reasons why it's better to die on january 1st than december 31st and so doctors no 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 that's that's that is that is that is a made-up thing yeah no from
1: a tax perspective you'd much rather die on december 31st that way you don't have to pay any taxes (laughs) uh in the new year (laughs) okay (laughs) okay Uh, okay, let's move on to another question.
0: That's probably a good idea. Uh, we've had we've had so much death already, John. Let's let's have a, de- a question that's not not as far as we can tell about death. This is from Miranda, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, so I have an online shop where I sell accessories and jewelry. Shameless promo for Miranda Handmade. Buy my stuff. In a few weeks, I will be selling these things uh, in real life to real people that are not online at a market." Everyone who is connected to this market in my town's art community is much older than me, 20s and 30s, while I am just a 14-year-old infant. How do I stop myself from feeling immature and lesser than other vendors? How do I talk with confidence about my creations when I have so little experience? Basically, how do I get through this without wanting to crawl into a deep hole of anxiety and weakness while screaming?
1: So I think it's totally appropriate to feel... Uh Anxiety and to want to crawl into a deep hole of it. Uh, but I think also uh, when you do this and get through it, you will become more confident and you will be happy that you did it, even uh, if it doesn't go perfectly. Uh, that's a big part of life is, you know, doing things that are difficult. Now, obviously, you have to kind of measure for yourself what you can do and what you can't do. But I think you can do this. By the way, Hank, uh, I went to Miranda's shop just to look up some of her stuff, and I really like it. Uh, she's got a huge, uh, fa- interesting variety of very inexpensive stuff for sale. My favorite thing uh, is a pencil. She has a series of pencil uh, pencils with messages on them. My very favorite one is a pencil that says "Make Art, Not Friends." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Miranda, I just want to say, if you will make me 100 Make Art Not Friends uh, pencils, I will sell them at DFTBA.com and give you 100% of the royalties. Uh, I'm going to sell them for much more than you're currently selling them for because I think you're undervaluing your Make Art Not Friends pencils. Um, <laughs> So don't buy them from Miranda. Buy them from me in the future at dftba.com, and all the proceeds will go to Miranda. Um, but no, she's got a really interesting, uh, interesting aesthetic. Uh, like she misspells "I love you" in uh, the love, and "I love you" in one of her uh, needle points. Um, she's got this. Uh, she's got this great uh, pin that just says "No" on it. Um, I don't know. She seems like really interesting. Uh, eccentric young artist, So I think that you'll do well and you don't need to be afraid. Uh, you're talented and uh, interesting and you're bringing something that none of those grownups uh, can bring to this market.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think also like uh, I, I have found that doing a scary thing is the only way for it to not be scary and that doesn't happen immediately and it's not going to happen your first time or your fifth time, but eventually it will. And doing that now... Um, is very valuable because you'll sort of have a leg up on all of those folks who are starting when they're a little older and a little more secure in themselves. And, uh, yeah, and and feeling comfortable in in situations uh, is not something that happens automatically. It's something that happens with practice.
1: Make art not friends. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know that I—I I know for the record that Miranda did not invent the phrase "make art, not friends." I just think the like handwritten on a pencil "make art, not friends" is very, very cool, uh, and I totally—I would be very happy to sell that at dftba.com. And I am sure listeners to Dear Hank and John, uh, who cannot get enough of our hot, hot Dear Hank and John T-shirts, available now at dftba.com. <laughs> uh, Would love Make Art Not Friends pencils, which I think will make the perfect statement at school or work. (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, We got another question, John. This one's from Abbott, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I live in a relatively boring suburb with fairly normal residents except one lovingly dubbed Crazy Airplane Man. He lives in a warehouse about a quarter of a mile behind the high school with half of a commercial jetliner in his front yard. He also has a marquee with various messages on it ranging from conspiracy theory websites to the most recent, Earth, Round or Flat? Very little is known about the reclusive Crazy Airplane Man, as he rarely comes out in daylight. There is superstition at my school that if you have a sighting, it's good luck on your next test. I'm very pro-Crazy Airplane Man. I think he adds character to our community and has become a legend in an otherwise unmemorable suburb. Unfortunately, not everyone feels this way. Many residents feel that this is an eyesore to the community and have several times tried to get him evicted. Where do you come down on the conspiracy theorists living off the grid with broken down airplanes in suburbia? I or eye-catching iconic or icky
1: so uh this question came complete with a photograph mm-hmm. and uh in the photograph it is clear that this is not an exaggeration uh half of a commercial uh, jet airliner the front half it would appear the nose of the plane and then part of the body and even some of the wing uh, is in this person's front yard uh as well as a marquee i can't see what it uh what it what it says
0: i i'm trying to blow the marquee up to na- to now to see to see what it says Yeah,
1: i can't tell but I, I i i abby i think that i probably feel differently about this by the way the question came from abby not abbott i believe that was a typo that i made i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks john um but uh I, yeah i mean if I owned a home in this neighborhood, I think I would be like, is there any way that that half of a commercial jet airliner could perhaps be somewhere other than this front yard?
0: Yeah. I uh I I I disagree. <laughs> I I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh you know, there there's there are other areas of of my hood that are Uh, A little bit weird and the people have had strange ideas about what they would like to have in their front yards. And I think that that's great. I think that we can't we can't like submit to the homogeneity of like everybody has the same aesthetic. Everybody has the same things. Some people are like, hey, uh, I found this half of a commercial airliner for sale at a place and it seemed like a good deal. And I bought it so that I, when my relatives came to visit, they could sleep in there or whatever. I don't know what they're doing with it, but hey, why not? Why not John?
1: I'm just going to tell you straight up that if my next door neighbor put half of a commercial jet airliner in their front yard, I would go over there and I would say, hey, um, so uh, wh- is this a long-term thing? that's how I would deal with it I would just be like so what's the time horizon on this because like humans in my estimation have about 1200 years to live how many of those 1200 years am I going to have to spend looking at this one half of a commercial jet airliner in your front yard
0: Uh, well I've worked really hard to blow up this uh, this marquee John and as far as I can tell it says five neat to boop fifth so I don't, I don't think I okay, succeeded. Okay, so I'm
1: also looking at the exact same image, and it is an extremely blown up image of a marquee. We will post it on the <laughs> Patreon, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. I think it says, heat in also, but... It definitely that last word is definitely butt but the b is a cyrillic b it's not uh maybe that's the number 6 actually now that i look closely probably not a cyrillic b um probably the number 6 um but i guess i guess it could be a g gift is that the last word is gift maybe oh sweat ah. in boob gift that's my final guess <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: well, the great John- thing John- about
1: this gag is that it's completely visual, and so only you and I can enjoy it, <laughs> or people who like currently have access to the web and are going yeah. to patreon.com Dear Hank and John to be like, yes.
0: uh,. Sweet uh, on uh, boob. Everybody, gift. I think it's definitely that's what it boob. Is. It's definitely boob. John, if you uh, could have any one weird thing in your front yard, what would it be? Uh, I mean,
1: I, again, I want to emphasize this. My goal is to be a neighbor. Uh, the only thing. I like to have a vegetable garden in my front yard, which some people see as weird or countercultural. But I think what's really weird is having turf grass in your front yard uh, when you are never out there. And so it's just a plant that you have to take care of that provides you with no value.
0: Well, what if you, like, lived in a warehouse, like, in the middle of a field, uh, a a half a mile behind the local high school? Like, what if you were all by yourself? Yeah, then I would have, what
1: I would have is an an old Class A RV. As you know, Mm -hmm. Hank, I've always wanted a Class A RV. Uh, I have always thought that that's when I will have really made it. Um, So... If I didn't have to live with the judgment of my neighbors, I would have a big honking RV right out front. I also should mention if I didn't have to live with my spouse, <laughs> there is, uh, I mean, yeah. if I brought home a recreational vehicle and I was like, this is this is our this is our second car now, uh, I was going to get a minivan, but then I thought, what, w- what could fit all of us really comfortably? <laughs> and so I bought this motorhome in that situation. I think that's one of the very few things that i could do that would result in an immediate dissolution of our marriage
0: uh yeah i also think that my idea would not be good for for the uh, sanctity of my home and family I, I was thinking uh maybe like sort of the uh the world's largest dachshund oh you mean like a sculpture like i could be a roadside attraction yeah oh. it was just like it was just a like a whole giant like like 30 foot tall dachshund
1: sure yeah that is horrible that would be bad uh on a, that reminds me that uh, on the way to Alice's gymnastics class, uh, there is this weird sculpture garden that has all of these like huge dinosaurs made out of, uh, you know, scrapped car parts and the dinosaurs are like 20 feet tall. And there's a there's a really prominent sign in the middle of this sculpture garden. And the sign says, this is a hobby, not for sale. And I've just always thought that is the best. (laughs) I got so tired of people coming by being like, I want to buy your gigantic uh, dinosaur sculpture uh, that they posted on the
0: yard. Stop. This is my hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try to ruin this for me. If it becomes a job, it's no longer fun. Hey, I understand where you're coming from.
1: Alright Hank, uh, we have another question. I thought this one was really fascinating and complex and difficult, uh, so I'm going to make you answer it. It comes from Jade who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a biracial black and white woman from Missouri currently living with a host family in Nicaragua. I just saw my host sister wearing a confederate flag shirt and I don't know what to do. When I see the flag in the states, even states that were never part of the confederacy, I know that the wearers or wavers of the flag know the historical and racial tension of our country. Here I'm positive my host sister knows none of that. She likely got it as a hand-me-down or because it was cheap. Should I try to start a conversation about race in America, or should I accept that in this context maybe it's just a piece of fabric? Best wishes, Jade.
0: Yeah, symbols and and the uh, and and the weight that they carry and how they can be stripped of that and uh, right yeah. and 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 that in this case. Um, I'm sure in, in Nicaragua, it has been stripped of that. Like, no, or, or it just, that, that context doesn't exist. And um, Right,
1: it's been stripped of that context, but at the same time, it might be a way to start an interesting yeah. and important conversation with your host sister about race in the United States and the symbols associated with race, and to also ask, you know, what what is that like here? What is that like uh in in your family and in your culture what are those symbols that are you know hurtful to you and i think uh or are there symbols that are hurtful to you or to other other members of your community and i think that might be a really interesting conversation um but i do think you know obviously you're right jade that the context is completely different than it would be in the us
0: i think that it's a good idea to know what your goals for the conversation are before you go into it so that, you know, you, you're not necessarily putting them on the spot or making them feel bad for having worn the shirt or, or like and and with the knowledge that like the, the context has been stripped off of it uh, in this place and, and for your host sister.
1: Right. I mean, the thing is, the context hasn't been stripped away for Jade, uh, but it has been stripped right. away, of course, for, for the host sister. Um, Hank, I wanted to move on to another question. Uh, this one extremely important because I do not know the answer to it. Okay. Sorry, my headphones just came out. of. Plus, the jackhammering stopped briefly. So I was like, what? what why is there so much quiet inside of my head? And the answer <laughs> is because the jackhammering has stopped. But don't worry, it will start again soon. This one comes from Justin, who writes, Dear John and Hank, in the spirit of adding to your ever-present ontological dread, I'm not sure my dread is ontological, but it, it might be. Uh, I was wondering, what is the likelihood of swarming grasshoppers in the form of locusts wreaking havoc on crops here in the North American continent, which sustain us and the animal." We thrive upon.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hank, <laughs> yeah. Did I forget to list locust plague among
0: my possible apocalyptic fears? Uh, I think you did. Uh, and it may be for good reason, though, because we got good tools for handling locust plagues these days. We do. Yeah. What do we do? Oh, we spray them with deadly, like, chemicals that make them die.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good strategy. I was I was thinking that, like, if the locusts ate all of our corn, then we could answer that problem by just eating the locusts, but I'm not an expert in this field.
0: Hey, you can eat... Do you, do you know, John, I once uh, was in a... Uh, I think we were on tour, I think, maybe... I'm not sure what it was, but I was staying in a hotel outside of Salt Lake City, and we arrived at this hotel, and we decided, John, there were two hotels in this town, and there was one one was like a chain like a like a Marriott something or other and and the other was like a mom and pop hotel with you know that that was clearly just a like somebody owned it and i decided like let's go with a non chain hotel and so we go to the not yeah mhm we go to the non chain hotel and uh and we we get a we get our room and uh and i uh Walk. They give me the, the the key, and I walk to the room. And the and as I approach, the, the the number of grasshoppers begins to exponentially increase to the point where, as I look at the door, I'm like, the door is white, but it is not. It is. And, like, I had to... I it, to Just walking into my hotel room, I probably killed 300,000 grasshoppers. I had to brush them off the doorknob. As I was opening the door, I had to, like, then shovel them out of the room. Um, and then the Wi-Fi didn't work. And I called the, down, and they were like, can you come to the office? And I was like, no, I cannot leave my <laughs> room. It's just, could I have an upstairs room that isn't covered literally in grasshoppers? It was... (laughs) amazing i uh like there were pro pro i could probably have eaten just grasshoppers if i had figured out a a way to palatably eat a grasshopper i could probably have subsisted me and my whole family on those grasshoppers for weeks
1: so there you go we don't need to worry about a plague of locusts because a plague of locusts is really just a plague of new food
0: (laughs) Uh but yeah they 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 do they do still happen uh, these swarms of grasshoppers um and uh and and they were a problem in American agriculture early on and that that is one reason why you know like uh pest management systems are important whether those are organic pest management or or pesticides um and they they stabilize our food systems and as much as uh you know the industrial system of agriculture has its problems it also has solved a lot of problems
1: which that 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 reminds me hank that today's podcast is brought to you by a plague of locusts a plague <laughs> of locusts
0: delicious and nutritious uh podcast is also brought to you by half an airplane in your front yard it's available now <laughs> somehow i don't know ask
1: that guy Behind the school. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Miranda Handmade. Miranda Handmade, selling her stuff for the first time at a real-life market shortly and on
0: the internet right now. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Poopin' in Your Sleep. Poopin' in Your Sleep. Available now if you're under the age of three. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is, but then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive T-H-R-I-V-E-Market.com slash dearhank, thrive slash dearhank. <laughs>
1: Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I just want to read you one email that came in uh, from a listener named Ben. Okay. Uh, I don't... Unfortunately, this is also a, a, an image-based gag, uh, but it's really worth it uh, to head over to the Patreon I'm, I promise I'm not saying this just so that you'll subscribe but for a dollar a month you do get incredible perks um, Ben writes, hello uh, Hank, in the most recent episode of Dear Hank and John you mentioned how creepy the image of horses with people hands is to you. I would have to entirely agree, mainly for one reason. I'm an RA and one of my residents sent me a link to her favorite book cover and I have to say that it caused me complete shock and awe. I hope you have Appreciate and/or fear this because I certainly did. And then there is a cover of a novel by uh, the author David Bussell, <gasps> which is presumably a pseudonym. <laughs> and the title of the novel is "But You're a Horse." <laughs> I, I, let me see if I can phrase oh, that title differently oh to make God. it clear what the, the subject matter of the book is. Uh, but but you're a horse. Uh <laughs> and on the cover of the book, uh, a woman is arm in arm oh uh, with a horse with semi-human hands, and it is indeed oh, no, they're... a distressing, distressing thing.
0: Yeah. They're 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 pretty human hands, and and a human arm kind of too, and like a human bicep running up into this beautiful, graceful horse neck and uh creepy veiny horse head. Uh not a thing. That should exist. Yeah, it's like a reverse centaur. Like I feel like <laughs> centaurs are
1: okay because they got the human head. That's the key, really. You've gotta have the human head you know, and the human hands.
0: <laughs> One of my favorite images on, on, on the internet that I ever saw was a centaur that instead of having uh, a, a, a human torso on a horse body, it had a horse torso on a horse body. <laughs> So so the weird thing about a centaur is that it has two arms and then four legs, which is not a thing that happens in nature. So this image was a, was a horse with, with four legs and then it had two more legs sticking up off the top of it. And it was like, I'm a, I'm a monstrosity that should never have been imagined.
1: Uh, John,
0: do you have news from AFC Wimbledon? Mm, I, I do. Uh, but I actually paid
1: quite a bit of attention to the news from Mars this week because it was relevant to my interest. My interest being uh, keeping you know human beings Uh, on Earth uh, until at least 2028. Mm -hmm. Uh, The news from AFC Wimbledon is... uh mixed uh tie against shrewsbury as really kind of two points lost rather than 1.1 you get one point for a tie and three for a win uh shrewsbury is not a strong league one team and we were playing them at home that's the kind of game we will likely wish we had won at the end of the season uh and we were winning it uh in the second half and then lost uh Currently, like literally currently, Hank, as we are recording, AFC Wimbledon is playing Coventry City and it is going eh, not great. Uh, Down one nil. I'm looking at how far along in the game we are. Uh, Ten minutes in. So uh, maybe there is time for a comeback. Uh, I believe there is that old song that they sing around the ground. One nil down to two one up. That's the way that we're going to secure enough points to (laughs) be in League One again next season. Um, and, uh, we shall hope for the best, uh, but prepare for the worst. Uh, the news from Mars is, seems very interesting and promising if you want to be on Mars before 2028.
0: Well, yeah. So, so Elon Musk, uh, did his little keynote thing where he was just very excited and, uh, basically did a, did, you know, cap, ca- captured all of our attention and, and imaginations, with a plan to get to Mars relatively quickly, John, maybe quickly enough that we're going to keep this podcast named "Dear Hank and John" uh, past twenty twenty eight, um, which you know I've, I I have no doubt that we'll be still making it then. Uh, so the you know it, it was a big. It, it, it's very difficult to talk about all of the things he talked about. A lot of it is things that we have. Uh, discussed previously, you know, reusing rockets, using that to, to keep the cost down, um, manufacturing fuel and, and propellant in space, manufacturing propellant on the surface of Mars uh, are necessary steps to get the cost down. But um, even if the cost does come down, they're talking about getting it down to like $140,000 per ton to get to Mars, which is super cheap, super cheap uh but still very expensive also. So the question remains like who would be paying for that? Um in Elon Musk's uh eventual imagination, so not beyond just sort of the first our first goes here. He was he's saying maybe a person could get to Mars for the cost of roughly a home here on Earth. And at that point you actually have a viable system for Having a, a sustainable presence—not maybe not sustainable—I mean that's obviously Elon Musk's eventual goal—but a uh, a continual presence on the surface of Mars. Now, I want to say, as as a big fan of Mars and as a big fan of exploring the solar system, um, a sustainable colony, like it is—it's, you know, you talk about like the extinction, like there's there's this thing that we talk about how we we should be a multi species. So if something goes very wrong here on Earth, we will still have this backup plan on Mars. To me, that argument makes no sense because if something goes very wrong here on Earth... Uh, probably there will still be people who survive and that the the possibility of that thing going very wrong is very low. Whereas on Mars, the possibility of a human wide extinction level event, even if there are hundreds of thousand people on Mars, is very likely because it is not easy to make it work on Mars. So this is a bad backup plan. It's like saying, well, um, you know, I need a backup car so you get like a a scooter that doesn't have a carburetor and runs on uh runs on on gasoline they don't make anymore it's it's a bad backup you you know you probably you probably your you know brand new Honda Civics probably going to be just fine so so you don't need this like, like terrible backup uh, and and how long is it going to take you if uh, take you forward if your Honda Civic actually breaks uh, and and is destroyed you'll probably have your scooter for another like two 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 months before it breaks down so I like I the multi multiplanetary species argument to me is is just like a. It's a bit of a dream, um, unless we're talking about time horizons on the tens of thousands of years. But maybe we should be thinking on that time horizon, John. Maybe the over-under shouldn't be 1,200 years. Maybe it should be 50,000, and we should be thinking like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I watched
1: uh, Elon Musk's video that came out at the same time as all these announcements about Mm -hmm. how he was going to get to Mars, and it's a four-minute video, and the last 15 seconds of it, uh, you watch the red planet go to being a green and blue and red planet, um, and all the steps up until that step, I sort of vaguely understood how they were possible. And then that last step, I was like, oh, come now. Like, have we flashed, have we flashed forward like 500 million years? <laughs> but that said, Hank and I are terrible at predicting the future. Uh, we have a... Oh, hideous hideous run when it comes to predicting the future so maybe uh humans will be here for four more years or maybe 400 million more years who knows
0: who knows good job humans so far though we've done some interesting stuff uh, like for example, all the things we learned today, what were those, John? Well, like we learned the population of Deathville, which is exciting to know. Ah yes, 44,430 people, Deathville! We learned that John really, really wants an RV that he will never get.
1: <laughs> Truly, I will never get it. Also, I'm not sure that deep down I actually want it, because I'm not exactly sure what happens when you poop in an RV, <laughs> but it seems difficult. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, We learned that a plague of locusts is really just uh, an exciting new diet. No, and of course we learned that John has no idea how to pronounce "asa."
1: That's true. I don't. That was a really good Hank. Uh, I still think it's. I still think it's something along the lines of "aze," almost like uh, Mm -hmm. like the fawns in Happy Days. But uh, I mean, I'll leave it to the experts, of course. It's only linguists who know for sure. Um, Hank, uh, sweat or blood gift? That's my new guess for uh, what the sign says the marquee sign says um, no. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just looking at it thanks for uh, potting with me always a pleasure thanks uh, everyone for your questions sorry for all the questions we didn't get to this week if you want to email us you can do so at Hank and John at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter I'm John Green Hank is Hank Green Hank also uses the Snapchat on occasion Hank G.R.E. Uh, and you can follow our most important social media profile on Twitter Leon must for Earth <laughs> (laughs) Number four Leon Musk still working hard uh, to make sure that his friend Elon Musk uh, does not get humans to Mars before 2028. Um, our next episode will be uh, up on the 17th of October. I'm sorry about the break, uh, but we both need it.
0: And uh, this podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Uh, the theme music is from Gunnarola. Rosiana House Rojas helps out with the question, uh, questions. The Our social media is done by Victoria Bongiorno and uh, as they say in our hometown, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.